0: Oh, I'm using a different recorder this week, so who knows how this is going to go. So, John, John, John. Scotty, Scotty, Scotty. We have no idea what we're going to talk about, so this could be a very short show. <laughs>
1: No, 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 not at all. We always have lots to talk about. How are you, Scotty? How are you feeling today? Do you know that, that uh, it's been raining and raining and raining and raining, but this past week I got to go to a robotics competition for the foul child and, and the sun shone and I got to spend a weekend amongst many nerd kids who were very happy to be there.
0: Is this another one since the last one we spoke about?
1: It is another one because uh, originally you know, there are all these regional competitions and then you have to uh, If you qualify, then you go to world championships. Well, they already qualified and they never expected to get that far. So they had already signed up for this one so that they could have more time to practice. And so they kind of went in with with no pressure um, and they ended up making it to the quarterfinals and captaining their own team, which is a a nice step forward for them. But um, gosh, I could talk about this forever and I don't want to. I mean, I kind of do, but I I want to be um, whatever, uh, nice to our listener and a half. But it it was a strong reminder uh, that doing anything, whether, you know, hardware engineering, software engineering, building a company, whatever, you you realize how many moving parts and how good you have to be at interpersonal (laughs) communications and finding the best in people and and dealing with personalities, Um, that alone as an adult is extremely difficult to do it. Doing it with a bunch of, you know, hormone-ravaged, sleep-deprived, junk-food-eating teens is nigh near impossible. But somehow you manage to make it work. Yeah. You work with kids, don't you? At various points, wayward. We yeah, we were...
0: yeah. I find I find kids actually pretty easy to work with because um, I mean I've done a lot of youth work over the years because normally because kids are not shy about telling you what they think. Mm. If they think you're a dick, they tell you you're a dick, mm. and they don't really care. Um, whereas when you're working with with adults. They they try to be just obnoxious without being obnoxious, and and I guess the ultimate people who can do this are politicians. You know right. how you can yeah, how you can say something that to the the general person sounds or a diplomat. No, diplomats are probably even worse. You can you can say something that uh, it sounds incredibly polite to the rest of us, but in diplomatic circles is like saying you know your grandmother should go and stick a pheasant up her butt or something. Um, so it's. <laughs>
1: There's our show title right now. Your grandmother's stick a pheasant up her butt.
0: Show <laughs> <laughs> titles have nothing to do with anything, but there we are. Um, so yeah, and I think this is uh, yeah, and, and yeah, you know, this this thing of uh, there, there's two problems, isn't there? People, firstly, not saying what they mean, but trying to say what they mean in a different way, and you have to guess what it is. And then I, I guess the problem we deal with more in software is. When people say what they think they want, but it's actually not what they want in fact this is this is um what I find from consulting and this is not necessarily directly to do with software. this could be do with any problem solving um type of uh, career which you know we're effectively problem solvers as software developers um, is people don't like to talk about their problems uh even when they're not personal problems um and so what they try and present to you is what they think the solution should be so half the time when you're meeting with with customers all this is in support as well and steve jobs i think you know used to used to discuss this very very well um you know people will tell you what they think they want because they think they understand the solution whereas actually uh, i find as a as a software developer and in in fact many other aspects of life when you're leading teams or whatever it might be. If people will just tell you their problem, that then opens the door for lots of people to find a solution and the solution you come up with, you know, is is going to often be better than the one that they came up with. So when a customer says to you, I want ABC, you know, my first question is always why? And, uh, yeah, because actually you have to tease problems out of people. You, 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 if you just say, well, what's your problem? They they just clam up. So you have to work your way back until you actually just go, ah, so actually your problem is X. Well, what about Y then? And then they'll go, oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. So, yeah, actually finding out what people want and what people mean. And, you know, then you put that into the corporate environment of either people being um, – Uh, very careful what they say because they're line manager or manager's manager or whoever is in the room and they have their future career to think about. Or you have interdepartmental rivalries where, you know, one department doesn't want to talk with another. So in the corporate or enterprise environment, everything just gets magnified again. People don't say what they want. They have careers to think about. They have rivals to deal with. You know, basically becomes a big political thing. And that's why so often you end up with software that is not only poor, in the way it's designed and poor in quality, but often doesn't even achieve the goal of what it needed to achieve because you never actually find out what it really needed to do in the first place. Uh, and I think, you know, one of, you know, and, and the skill of finding out um, what someone actually wants, and I think this is if you're an indie software developer, you know, what is it your yeah uh, software actually, how do you solve the problems your customers have Is is, is you know, a, a totally different skill set, and off, you know, than being able to write great code, slick algorithms, do good—you know, separation of concerns—they're very different skills. And I think this is one of the challenges of of being an indie is to is to combine those skills and and and, and learn those skills. And it's, um, uh, yeah, so it's it's often difficult. And even again, it comes back to even when you are marketing your software. Um, so often, you'll go to someone's software page. And it will be a list of features or a list of things the software does uh, but again, if you 're that person who doesn't really necessarily want to talk about your problem or even understand your problem, that list of things it does on the software sales page doesn't necessarily mean anything to you whereas if you if your software sales page actually just lists a bunch of problems that your software then that you just claim your software solves, and in some ways they don't even have to know how it solves it. But here's a bunch of problems our software solves solves, and they have any of the problems on that list. Your software immediately becomes attractive because they want to solve a problem. Whereas if you just present them the solution, they don't necessarily know that that what you're doing is a solution to their problem. So I would always say when you are when you are selling your software, list the problems it solves, not the things it does. There we are. That's my, my little my little. Um, you know spiel from your very much <laughs> probably not intended to go that way comment no but it's it's funny it's, it's
1: fun to, to talk and think about this stuff i was walking across the street this morning and i saw a truck a couple of trucks that was parked outside of a building and they were a company that that Basically, they they remove water damage. And as is so much the fashion in in hipster San Francisco or, or, you know, hipster tech solutions and brand management circles, I think the three-letter description of what you do with a a verb at the end – is, is is actually can be very good, and so the this company was called Ideal. I'd never heard of them, but their tagline was "water damage deleted," which I thought was really good. You know, because I was like, oh, "That seems so simple." Uh, but it—it it actually, it, I suppose, for the people that it's targeting, or the way that people are now think about, it's like, oh no, I destroyed half of my Google document, or I, you know, whatever. Well, just select all and delete, and your problems gone. And and they make it—they associate the ease with which you can, you know, recover from problems in the digital world with problems in the in the physical world. Nobody would imagine that you would, you know, if you think about water damn, it's like oh my god, first you have to mop up the water, and then figure out how to remove the moldy, rotten things, and and they what they say is like. We select all the problems and then, you know, press the delete key, and everything's groovy and wonderful.
0: That is an absolutely fantastic example because, you know, water damage deleted does not give you one indication at all about how they do it right. at all. Right. Do they do they send in seventeen thousand low-paid workers with buckets and mops right. and hair dryers and whatever else to get rid of your thing? Do they use some Massively complex technical solution of uh, you know dehydrators or whatever that they put in your thing, and in seven seconds they can suck all the moisture out of the air with this one press of a button in this technology that costs millions of dollars. You know, do they use a combination? You know, and and they could, you know, they could have put on the side of the van the most you know the most advanced air hydration or. Uh, um, air drying systems in the world or whatever anything that which have all been features of software and that's how we advertise our software we advertise software by the by the features so if that was a software company they'd have listed all the techniques they use to to uh repair water damage and they may not have ever even said anywhere near that we repair water damage whereas actually if i've got water damage and their claim is they make water damage go away in fact that's that, you know, all you need have, to know. I might have questions later on about how and what's your guarantee, and is there a money back guarantee and all that. But the first thing is that's someone who solves my problem. I'm now interested. Whereas, you know, if they put up the most comprehensive air filters ever in the world, I may not even know that you use that for for water damage repair, and so it doesn't necessarily solve my problem, and I missed it. So, really, um, uh, there is a an absolutely fantastic book which I can't remember the name of. Um, It's by a guy called Paul D'Souza, uh, just talking about sales um, and how you have to, uh, people, I think he lists there are seven, I'll put a a link in the show notes. I can't remember what the actual book is called, but it it lists that there are seven objections um, that often people will go through when purchasing anything. Um, That goes from whether it's your 10 buck software through to a house or whatever it might be. And he says, you know, we, we so often feel, well, if we can solve six of them, we're fine. Um, but he says that's not really the case. That's not the way that we psychologically work. And he says, you know, he uses a really clear picture example, which I like, of saying, you know, you have to imagine that these seven objections are like seven suitcases on the conveyor belt at the airport. You know, the reality is you're not going to leave the airport until you've picked all seven suitcases off of the the. Com- the, the belt. Um, so having saying, I've got six, that's close enough. You're not likely to leave the airport um, until someone can tells you it's lost and you never get it back. But the point is you'll wait for the seventh. And, you know, he, he sort of argues that um, the way people purchase things is the same. They, they need to solve all the problems. Uh, they need to, they need to, to fix you know, he calls them objections, not problems. You know, you need to get past people's objections. And, and so everything should be about not saying how good, your product is but it should be understanding the objections people will have to your product in the first place and making sure that you answer those questions. In fact, your website, your sales brochure, whatever it might be from wherever you're coming on, should even mention the objection they're going to have so that they can relate to the objection and then see what the solution is. And the fact that you even acknowledge the objection gives you a great leap that you're on the same page as them and, you know, So you might think, well, really, do I want my website to just bring up all these objections you might have to my software (laughs) Um, or or my products? And and his answer is yes, because it's people are trying to solve problems and people have objections to why you're going to do it. And the fact that you even understand their objection is a massive step forward. Mm. And it's a really interesting interesting concepts and i wish i could remember the name of the book uh, and i can't and i'm going to try and um, find it while you're next talking so i can mention it in a minute but it's uh yeah and it's, it's a very small book i mean i think it's only available in um uh you know digital version i don't think there is even a, a hardback version um you know a, a hard copy version not sorry hardback um but I, i'll find it so yeah so it's um yeah i think sales is psychological and i think again indies indie developers i know you know, we're not all indie developers and, you know, it's, it's – uh, um, we're not very good at the non-coding skills often. I think, you know, there are some who are very good. Um, I would even argue that if you're, you know, you're better off being a bad coder and a good sales and business person if you want to be an indie than the other way around. Oh, I, I think many, it's many, so Many true. people will, will hate me for that. But, but that it's true. The truth. It's true. And the way actually is, is most of us are the other way around. Yep. Um, and that's why – we all sit there and say it's so hard to make money in indie software. <laughs> it's, no. No, it's because, no, we're good coders. We're not business people in a way.
1: Yeah. Well, Scotty, I'm, I'm, I have your new tagline, know your money well. There you go. You're done. Oh, Drops the
0: there mic. we are. There we are, it's
1: not entirely terrible just because I was thinking about it because I, I, while you're talking about this, I'm trying to think, okay, well, well, how does money well fit in this? And when I thought about it a little bit, the first time I'd ever heard of it, I heard when Hawker was going on about It's like it's envelope-based account, accounting, so you can kind of answer the question, where does all my money go? And it's like you can intuitively know, well, I guess I could open up a spreadsheet or or open up a piece of – you know a notebook and write down I spent this on rent and this on food and so on and so forth because of pain in the butt. And I know that most credit card companies or, or, you know, banks will, you know, try to categorize things on how you, so you can get an idea over time how you spend money. And if if you do all your transactions using debit or credit cards, perhaps it's a little bit easier. But in the end, you just don't know your money well. Ha! Huh. And then the other thing too is money well as 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 the the other way that it, it comes across is like I'm going to go dip into the money well and see if it comes up dry or not. <laughs>
0: john you're you're a wasted talent there at netflix you really should be somewhere else i'm not quite sure where but definitely
1: somewhere um yes i know I, that's i i dread the day when my manager comes and says, john you're wasting your time at netflix
0: we, we really have no idea how to use your superb skills why don't you go explore the world
1: why don't you go help one of our competitors by working there yeah
0: i think um yeah okay money okay, was a good example because uh when you know when people think about finance software often home finance software which is the category we come into um you know the, you know, the big boys were, were Quicken. uh obviously there used to be Microsoft Money which i don't think even exists anymore but those were uh those are basically home accounting systems they they worked on the principle of recording your expenditure and then historically being able to look at it um Whereas MoneyWell is actually a budgeting system. It's about predicting your expenditure and then trying to stick to your predictions or record against predictions. And they're two very different philosophies. And, you know, selling you know, telling to people why they should be doing that or not doing that is a very different marketing technique to you know, being in control of what you've spent, more like being, you know, being in control of what you're about to spend or having a better idea where your money can go. Um, yeah, and that's quite hard to get across. You know, a lot of people... Uh, Will buy money well because they want home finance software. Um, they won't even bother reading all the blurb. They just say, "Well, it's it's you know, I like the icon, I like the picture, whatever it might be." <laughs> you spend all your all your time trying to do all the right text and all the right images and all the right layout, and some people just go buy it anyway. And then they go, "Well, this doesn't record this for a while. Well, It's not the intention of our software." <laughs> it's, it, it, I always find it really funny that you know we 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 struggle so hard to sell software by getting good marketing, and yet so many people buy our software. For the wrong reason, or don't need it, <laughs> it's like really quite a weird world that we live in but there we are uh yeah, so it's um right, I'm still trying to look up this this book, but anyway, what have um so uh this week for me has just been really a case of um carrying on where I was last week and just um in many ways knuckling down and trying to answer some of the questions we were asking uh about things and uh that's a little bit of feedback um nothing I'm gonna specifically go through now about my question of um sales and uh uh uh, sorry where you you hold accounts and i think generally it's still been you know people have come along and said well this is what we think we would do or this is what we would do and of course you know all it does is one person has picked one one of the ways that we've talked about and then another person has picked another way that we talked about just showing to me that there is no no fixed way but uh yeah so it's, it's been actually it's been just um making a few decisions and getting on with it i'm not going to talk about what those decisions are right now because uh, that involves a few business things that i'm going to hang off on talking about for a little while um until we've decided how we're going to announce some stuff and not announce stuff but uh yeah so for me it's been a bit of a consolidation week of uh just getting on with stuff what about you what you've been up to
1: well, uh, this is this is shipping week, so there's something that there's going to be a public announcement sometime tomorrow that's going to be video streamed with a uh, something that we did with some other company, vague.
0: Um, yeah, by the time this goes out, it will be it will be it will be out there because this is not going out for at least two or three days. So <laughs> that's um, true, but I can't yeah.
1: I can't go on record as <laughs> as having pre-announced something.
0: No, that's true. So basically, we should just come back in about three days' time and re-record, shouldn't we? And then you might have something interesting to say.
1: No, so so there's that, and then the second one is is getting ready for you know the submission that we go this week is the beginning of the, of the test phase of one of the projects I've been talking about that I'm working on that, for this component, and uh, there was a a a bug. You know, you keep scrubbing. You keep going on with list of, of things. It's like, is this a bug? Is it, is it not? Is it is in this particular case, since there are dependencies on 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 content being created in a certain, you know, following certain standards, um, that comes into play, um, and and media being prepared to certain standards. And so, it's um, we just go through. It's like, is this an issue or not? And and then you know, kind of decisions that we make for a test, which is always tricky is like a test is is there to get signal it's not to to build a finished product except for you kind of have the inclinations like but i want it to be as polished as perfect and and it has to be there's there's a minimum level where things have to be you know reasonably bug free they have to be performant otherwise the test is going to fail for those reasons but it doesn't need to be perfect and the features don't need to be perfect and 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 it's okay to cut features and so that's you kind of come down to the the final gut check about saying you know are we do we feel confident that this is safe to launch the test and and there even are phases there where you know with a large test you have to you have to let it run for a little bit just to make sure that that when it's out in the field and, and running in lots and lots of people's hands are there crashes that you you couldn't see because you know with your pool of of testing and 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 uses that maybe are among dozens or hundreds of 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 things of, of people's hands, what happens when it's out in the, in the millions? So there's just things that you can't possibly predict. No matter how good your automation testing or no matter how wily your your QA engineers are, so you run that thing. But then after that, there comes a time where this is you can't change it. Otherwise, you're you're altering the test. So you kind of have to be hands off. So that's that's in some ways kind of the 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 most anxious time of an A B test because you 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 just begin to worry it's like having a kid it's like okay well I I, I think I remember to stop dropping acid while I was pregnant and and I went, and I, I think I managed not to, to to be a terrible person but now there's this new life and you kind of have to see how it's going to do in the world um, but there was one little detail that that was found which was something where uh, I made a mistake it was very very easy for someone else to see the mistake was um, and I kind of saved myself by having inline comments and, uh, and a little bit of, 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 documentation. So I will tell two things about it. So we, we kind of e- each year, uh, I, I think I did mention about this, uh, that we kind of give feedback to each other. And one of the, the positive bits of feedback of which I was very happy, um, Was that they said, you know, when I'm in your classes, I always know where I am. There's always – it's the combination of the inline documentation, which is very helpful because it helps explain the thought process, but also the class description that you give, which is basically the theory of operation. And I always do that some, most of the time i 'll do it before i 've even written any code's like okay, I create a class. I do actually think about the class name itself, so it 's kind of obvious what it does and and, and then I explain kind of why and, and what some of the constraints may be and then in each of the different methods and even within the methods on lines of codes, I will say, "Hey, I do this because this method gets called a lot potentially, so that 's why it has to have a no op or you know, whatever I do it." And so I'd missed one little detail for a stylized uh UI label subclass, um, which it it's it, you know, it's perfectly simple. It's just to to kind of have rounded corners for it, but and and have kind of a smoky background and have a, a specific set of, of kind of uh, uh wider letting for it. So it, it you know, you can do all those things you want with a specific, you know, with a, with a UI label, but it's much easier to have a UI label that is stylized to our standards and that takes care of creating the attributed string from the plain string, you know, and, and doing the necessary, you know, uh, uh, parameter setting to, to make it work. So it's a convenience for the users, right? And, but the thing about a UI label is in its default case, if if, if there's no text on it, if you set the text to nil, it's not visible, which is usually what you want. In this particular case, since it has a rounded corner and a a kind of semi-transparent black background, if it's nil, you end up what looks like kind of like a black pill on the screen. And there were some cases where you could see that. And this has to do when it's part of a view that is recycled many, many times because it's in a table view or a collection view cell. So again, kind of back to the theme of when you work on components that are being reused and scrolled, you it's a whole different set of problems from a simple view controller it gets presented once and has a, a much kind of simpler life cycle. And so in this particular case, it come came down to kind of who's responsible for hiding things and, and, you know, in my thinking for this class, it should be the class should just work. You know, that's that's always my 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 design goals. It just it works as advertised. You shouldn't have to read any documentation. You haven't to read anything. You should just say, "Oh, I know what this component does. I'm going to put it on my in my view." You know, and 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 do what I expect it to do. Except for I made one flaw about about the conditions under which it would be hiding and the wrong test for 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 determining whether I should hide the view. Um, in the setter method for setting the text on it, so it was very easy for someone else to see it, and I was very happy that 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 she fixed it. And normally, you know, it, let's say five, ten years ago, I would have thought, oh my god, I'm such an idiot, I miss that, I suck. Now I'm I'm a lot more zen about it. It's like, nope, you know, you will you will you you can't possibly see everything because you know that's one component that's part of many that you're working on when you're under pressure to put something in and the best you can do is to 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 design it to make it easy to use and easy to understand what's going on because invariably somebody else will have to come along and if you've done your job correctly it's very easy for them to know how to how to fix or improve things and and follow the style that you lay down so to the extent that I, I learned this technique early on as a kind of a set of first principles for designing and creating classes, and I learned it from from, from my, I have to kind of say, as a mentor, Bernard Brower, um, who taught me so many things. I thanked him before in, in in public talks. I thank him again now because I think that there are these fundamental principles that you're very, very lucky if you have someone to teach them to you or at least show them by example because they come back uh, many years later and and you benefit from them. Um, so that's, that. that's how my week was.
0: I think that's a, I mean, we've been speaking quite high level today and I think that really fits with that as well, because I think, you know, if you learn principles rather than techniques, the principle is probably always going to be true. Mm. Whereas the technique may not be the techniques we use in iOS 12 are not the same as we might have used in Mac OS 10.1 or whatever, because there's more things to do, but the principles of why you're using a technique wouldn't have changed. And so the point is, you know, how does this technique, which technique best fulfills the principles that I understand to be true. And as you go through your developer life, the more you understand the principles of things, uh, such as it should just work or whatever, you know, that's a very high level one, but it's a good one. Um, you know, the better served you will be in making decisions along the line about how things should and shouldn't work. Because the principle is still true. Whereas, you know, if the principle is always set this to nil, that may not be true in three releases time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the principle is why is it a good practice to set that to nil? And is that still true? Does setting it to nil still you know, still hold true to the principle or is something changed and therefore you don't get stuck in this rigidness of the language or the frameworks you're in that that are evolving. You're always working to a best set of principles.
1: Yep. Well, Scotty, I have one more thing. This is this is the you know recognize the one and a half listener thing, and I, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, our our best friend ever, Martin. Martin Wright, who follows you, but he doesn't follow me. But he he came to our rescue, and and he 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 tweeted something I thought was very sweet. He says, "Astonished that neither of you could remember the name of the Apollo programmer who also coined the term software engineering. I couldn't either. It's Margaret Hamilton, and I and and I was I had actually had had posted about her and that famous picture of her on LinkedIn, whatever, two weeks ago, um, and it just it it slipped my mind. Part of it is like, yeah." You know, sleep deprivation and having teenagers and and you know it happens all the time that you just you can't put your 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 finger on and you feel like an idiot you know five seconds later or two days later but um that's okay but thank you for i
0: I did reply i can't i'm gonna get this wrong but my reply was something like i'm astonished that you're astonished surely you know we're stupid (laughs) that was good
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true well, anyway,
0: so, so John, if people want to educate us this week, which we need plenty of <laughs> education, yeah. and, and they want to correct our mistakes, and oh, by the way, before we before we do that, that the book, the book is called the Brain Audit, huh. uh, and it's actually by Sean D'Souza, not Paul D'Souza. So not only could I not remember the name of the book, um, name of the book, I uh, also couldn't name remember the name of the author properly. Uh, so yeah, that's. Um, the Brain Audit by Sean D'Souza. Uh, it has a great tagline, why customers buy and why they don't. Mm. Um, I think you have to buy it from, uh, if you do a search and like, you'll find it. I think you can only buy it from his website. It's a PDF or a, uh, an EPUB or something. I can't remember how much it was, but it couldn't have been that much because I bought it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so there we are. Okay, John. If people want to uh, correct your faux pas and your uh, stupidity this week, where should they do it? Well, they can remind me what your name is, Bill, uh, by by
1: getting in touch with me on the Twitters as Jembe. That's D J E M B E, like the West African harmonica, no drum. <laughs> and if they want to, if they want the to, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Oh, and Scotty, if, uh, if if people want to come correct you uh, correct you, or remind you of why you shouldn't be doing this or remind you of why you should, where can they do that?
0: <laughs> Please remind me why is I spend time speaking to John every week. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, they could do that on Twitter as MacDevNet or micro.blog as Scotty. Or, of course, they can get hold of both of us by sending an email to feedback at iDeveloper.co. John, it's been a pleasure as always. Oh, Scotty. And, um, Considering we genuinely did say we've got nothing to talk about this week, I think we, we filled up 29 minutes and 45 seconds reasonably well. By the time we add the music, we should be at our 30 minutes. So all works out well. So thanks for listening, everyone. And until next time, you take care.